right? There's 50 pounds in gold to the man who brings Quigley in. So keep practicing. Alright folks, welcome to the Man Cave Movie Review, the podcast that reviews the good, the bad, and the ugly of movies for men. This is episode 221 and our first episode of 2018. Ladies and gentlemen, we are going on year 6, I think, of the Man Cave Movie Review. And today we're going to be kicking off 2018 and we're going to be talking about Quigley Down Under. This great and fantastic film stars Tom Selleck. The Irrepressible, Ellen Rickman, and Laura Jan, I'm sorry, Laura, Laura, is it San or Jan? San Giacomo. There you go. Thank you, Ken. I'm your host, Steve Michaels, and joining me is my very good and dear friend, Ken, uh, the dingoes almost ate the baby, Roni. Son of a bitch. That was going to be my line. Only I was going to say it with an Australian accent. Like, the dingoes almost ate the baby. <laughs> Technically, that's a Meryl Streep Australian accent. It's really a real Australian Yeah, nice. Oh, gosh. Um, well, our other good and dear friend, uh, Jeff, I was going to say, don't call me Roy Muncy. Uh, he was supposed to be here, but evidently, despite the horrific weather that uh, central indiana has received uh obviously has managed to either go to his son's lacrosse game or just doesn't want to be on the show so that's the choice there but last and certainly not least is our other good and dear friend our reverend deuteronomy skaggs well roy with the weather we've been having uh i'm feeling like Something came out of the southbound end of a northbound kangaroo. But. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Thanks, Roy. Oh, you're welcome there. <laughs> All right, there you go, folks. We're going to be talking about uh, Quigley Down Under. And uh, this one's uh, streaming on Amazon Prime, I believe, uh, from what we heard. Um, so it, it's out there for you to see. It is a 1990 western i guess you'd call it a western right australia is west of the united states this is true so it's it's very it's very western it's far west it's far west western so um uh this is my first viewing i don't know did any of you guys see this before i saw it way back when it was first on okay i've seen bits and pieces over the years but this first time i've sat down and went all the way through it okay so, as Westerns go, because you know how I feel about Westerns, if Clint Eastwood ain't in it, I'm, I'm already kind of like half-checked out, but that's okay. What do you guys think about this one? Brian, why don't you start out? Well, um, as you know, I like Westerns a lot. Um, and... Um, I, I, I like the movie. I, let me say that. Now, I'm going <laughs> to, when you're done with what I've done tonight, you're going to think, like, he hated that movie. 
I mean, I liked the movie, uh, but there were some interesting aspects to the movie uh, that, well, I'll just be real honest with you. What'd you guys think of the music real quick? What'd you think of the music? The music was spectacular, but to me, it didn't quite fit the movie. It was Basil Polidorus. I mean, he's a well-known you know, composer. I mean, mm-hmm. gr- great. I mean, I, you know, very, you know, if it's, it's got that old Western, big sky, open vistas, wide horizon sort of feel to it. Well, the director is Simon Winsor. And Basil Polidorus did the, the, the soundtrack. Just a year before, they had both done Lonesome Dove. And if you close your eyes and listen to the music, it's freaking Lonesome Dove. I mean, the music is just almost um, everything, the way the music flows and runs. It's like, he just took Lonesome Dove, I mean, in terms of the music, and just plopped it into this movie. Because the music's great, but I agree with you, it doesn't fit the movie. Uh, to me, it's great music, but again, I, 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 that bugged me. It bugged me a lot because, as you know, I'm a big Lonesome Dove fan. So I'm sitting there going, like, "Well, you guys didn't do anything. You just you, just, you took the shit that you probably didn't put in Lonesome Dove and you put it in this movie." That is but, probably exactly right. <laughs> yeah, and like the scene cuts and stuff, where like the, the the way the music would flow in Lonesome Dove, it was identical. I mean, and so that kind of irked me a little bit. Um, that said, I like the movie. There's a bunch of stuff in the movie. I'm sure we're going to go like, well, that was stupid. Why did they do this? You know, that, you know, the whole thing, including the very end where it's like the, the famous scene where the evil overlord tells you what his plot is so you can stop him sort of thing. But you, I can see the end from the very beginning scene when he said, I don't have much use for him. I thought, here's what's going to happen. <laughs> so, again, I liked it. It was pretty damn predictable. Uh, it, it, I like I like Selleck a lot. Um, I can say, hey, like Selleck, not a big screen guy. Yeah, I agree. I I never really saw Tom Selleck as like the big screen. I always liked him in um, uh, Magnum, Magnum PI. Loved him in Magnum PI. Hey, I like Blue Bloods a lot, a lot. That's a TV show that I'm sh- uh, well. This may be something we probably talk about later, but but you know, I, I don't want to let that. Well, I can let it out of the bag now. But <laughs> I, I uh, that's a TV show to me that I don't know how it gets on TV because it's a frankly it's a very conservative TV show. Very, I mean the the moral they're Catholic mm-hmm. and Selleck's the patri- is an absolute patriarch of that family, and so it's just it, it's a movie that is very much flows against the wind of a TV show these days. Well, that's right. Donnie Wahlberg, who we talked about in uh, he's great, Band of Brothers, and he's not PC by any means either. Um, I get you know the more I read about the, the I don't well let me restate that I don't read much about the Wahlbergs, but I understand they're fairly strong Catholics. As I understand it, I mean they are they're actually the, straight up dudes. Yeah, uh, from what I can tell, given given where they came from, they could have easily gone other areas. They seem to be halfway decent stars. Mm-hmm. And they've done some good work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I do want to make a point here. Talk about how Selleck hasn't translated well to movies. Are we That's on now, by the reasons way? I threw this movie out is I like Tom Selleck. And Mark had recommended that we talk about this, if I recall, like mm-hmm. a year or two ago. And we never did. 
But then when I saw it was streaming, I thought, what the hell? Let's let you know, I saw it years ago. I seem to remember yeah, it's a pretty good movie. So let's let's check it out and uh, you know, see what we have to say about it. But you know, Selleck really got I mean, he really broke through nationally with the work he did with Sam Elliott. The Sackets. Sackets which was very popular TV Western miniseries. And in the Sackets, these guys are like clones. I mean, very, I mean, very complimentary. I mean, neither one really seemed better than the other. Mm -hmm. But then Sam Elliott's, when you see him in movies, like, oh, he belongs in movies. And it's like mm -hmm. something about uh, Selleck, he just doesn't quite do it. I, I don't ah. know. I almost think that Selleck, and again, I don't know if this is if Steve's picked the tape back up on this or not, but uh, I almost feel like Selleck is, he, he, he's like Magnum. He's actually a nice guy. And so there's not like really any mystery to him or anything like that. Right. He's just a guy, you know, and, and I think that that kind of on the screen, you want a little bit of mystery there or a little bit of unpredictability or something. And, and I think maybe that's it. You know, he, he's almost like a character actor in a sense in that, you know, here's what I am. And you know it. There's no, there's no, you know. Oh, we're gonna uncover some great men. No, that's what he is. He's pretty much the same guy. Right. And and uh, and you know, maybe that means maybe that just doesn't, you know, that's not what you're looking for in a leading man. I, I don't, I don't know. I just don't. Know. It has always puzzled me. But I recognize it. I absolutely recognize that he's not the guy that you're just that you know, like, oh yeah, I'm gonna go see this Selleck movie. I mean, again, I'll see it, but. You know, it's not like an Eastwood movie or a Wayne movie or, or you know, like a guy like, I mean, again, Christopher Walken, who's a weirdo, but I'll watch Walken just because, my God, what's going to happen? You know, I mean, uh, but Selleck, no. I mean, Selleck, you know, he comes in a room, he is what he is, but you can't, I, I do think Selleck was probably, to a certain extent, born 40, well, he's, he's a lot like Elliot. Those two guys, if they'd have been around in the 50s or the 40s, right? they'd be as big a names as is Eastwood or Wayne? I mean, at least certainly, certainly Elliot would. My God, he—he he, that guy was born to be in westerns. Uh, but I, I think Selleck's natural, natural. Even though Magnum was a huge hit, I think if if Selleck is most natural in this type of, of movie, and he's done other westerns. Uh, he's done. In fact, he's he did one or two others with Windsor. Uh, there were, I think, you know, made for TV westerns. But uh, he did Bonnie Walsh, I think. Which yes, was, he did. Lee, Lee Marvin did that originally. Um, so uh, I think Selleck is a Western actor by, you know, in, in terms of what he, he would be most at ease at. So. Well, actually, a, a Selleck character, I think you, and I don't know about Steve, but I, I know you oh, yeah, I know saw him know. and loved him. Speaking of nice guys, is he played Lance White on in, the Rockford Files. I mean, that was like right before, I mean, this was before Magnum. He did the sackets, and then he did this character, Lance White, who was like, you know, Jim Rockford was a crusty mm -hmm. private eye down at his luck. Lance White was just this good-looking guy. He's a private eye, mm -hmm. and he'd just sit around and, you know, clues would fall into his lap. He'd get the girl. He'd figure out. And, you know, and it just made Rockford furious. But oh, he would, from what he would I understand... Little to this day, Selleck thinks of James Garner as his mentor. He, he says he learned a whole lot working with Garner on Rockford Files. Well, you guys know how much I love Garner, but uh, yeah. but you're right. But even even in those Rockford Files, he was he was kind of the straight man. He would go, "Well, Jim, you just 
you know, you just wait and clues just show up and Rockford's rolling his eyes like, oh God. And then the phone would ring and there was the clue, you know, and, but, but even then Selleck, Selleck didn't really do anything but play this guy, bumbling, nice guy who it all worked out for. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I did love, I love that character. Rockford had some great characters in those shows, by the way. That's Rockfish to you. Yeah, that's right. Angel Martin. There should be movies about Angel Martin. My God. Well, you know, the, you know, the whole premise of this story, actually, we should probably get to it, is Tom Selleck's character is Matthew Quigley, comes from my Wyoming. He's like a master sharpshooter, and he goes off to Australia thinking that he's going to shoot game for uh, for money. And, you know, kind of turns out that's not exactly what was uh, in mind. Um uh, the 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 rancher Alan Rickman, who my biggest beef in this movie was there was not enough Alan Rickman in this movie. Yeah, that's now, in retrospect, yeah. watching it this time. Yeah, if they would have taken out half of Laura San Jacobo's scene and thank you substituted Alan Rickman yep. chewing scenery and yep. you know doing what he does. Because he, he plays, I mean, this is, it's, it's a Hans Gruber-esque role. Oh, my God. Ken, you stole it out. And, like, and we'll get to the whole point of the, you know, uh, irrelevant female role, but holy crap, there was a hell of a lot more Laura San Giacomo than, man, we need a lot more Ellen Rickman in this. And if, I, I, go ahead. No, I in. did enjoy looking at her, though. <laughs> I'll say that. See, and and I, I'm I'm sorry, but does nothing. I'm just does nothing for me. Uh, you're you're a, you need to go to the low T center. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> no, she. Well, first of all, she was nuts. I mean, she's cra- They call well her character is crazy Cora. She's supposed to be nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. She is not yeah. a mentally. Yeah. She's not mentally all there. That's right. She's literally got PTSD. Yeah, I, I don't like crazy women. I, I've I've dealt with crazy women in my life. I don't like crazy women, and I don't care how hot they are. I don't like crazy women. Just just saying. So right off the bat, I'm like, yeah, don't like her. But um, no, I mean, my, my whole thing was, I mean, Alan Rickman at this point. I mean, this is ninety. I mean, he had already you know made his you know he had already you know, cut his chops with uh, Die Hard. We a couple need... years before. What's that? A couple of years before. Yeah, yeah. Quite, he'd been he'd been doing stuff since the you know early seventies. He was right. in Smiley's People, which I'm sure Brian saw. Is in Die Hard. I didn't realize he was in Smiley's People. Interesting. Yeah. I had to go back and look at that. Yeah, but I'm just but saying no, he's a very busy you know English actor. He's done all sorts of roles, but then you know. He did Die Hard, and that was such a, you know, such a popular character in Hollywood. You know, when they were filming this movie, they hired him to be this role, and again, he was very good at it. Choose up scenery, you know, berates his people, you know, but uh, they didn't use him as much as they should have in retrospect by today's standards. No. Well, there was no subtlety to it, first off. I mean, the, the, almost within seconds of seeing Rickman, you know, like, this guy's a prick. You know, I mean, you, you, 
I, I would kind of like him to move into the point where you didn't realize the instant you see him that this is Hans Gruber. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, that, that there was that, you know, uh, you know again, there was, I, 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 I like it sometimes when there's a little bit of confusion by the good guy as to, well, who are the really the bad guys here? I mean, the minute he stepped off the boat, you know, they're, they're beating up the women and he gets the ranch and then he pretty quickly, you know, kills the two deserters. And I'm like, Oh man, you know, I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious that they're not going to be, this business relationship is doomed. <laughs> you, you fairly well know that. And, and, uh, you know, so I mean, cause I, I kind of thought it was going to go in the, I, I, I had not seen the whole movie. I thought it was going to go in, in the old classic, uh, ranchers versus farmers type thing where, he was hired to kind of pick on the farmers, and then he realized that the farmers weren't bad, and you know that sort of thing. But instead, it was the Aborigines. Instead, it was an Indian thing. Um, it was a cowboys and Indians in a sense. Um, with I could have used it without the freaking mysticism crap. Personally, that's just me. Uh, but uh, but uh, yeah. Now Rickman though was even though he'd been around for a long time, Ken he was hot coming off of Die Hard. She was hot coming off Sex, Lies, and Videotape, which yes. wasn't as popular a movie, but it was well thought of. James Spader's in it. Somebody else, I can't think of who's in it's it. A but, David, so, it's a Soderbergh movie, yeah. and it, it was highly regarded back then. It was like it was yes. one of those must-see movies. If you were if you were a part of the smart set, you went and saw it. Yeah. Of course, it, I, was a, it, I was a moron, so I didn't see it till years later. <laughs> it was a must-see movie that nobody'd seen, basically. I, I've never seen it. The only reason I, I ever wanted to see it, I thought, man, if she's going to be topless in that movie, I want to watch it. But uh, it's, that was it's, pretty much it. It's a good movie. It's a good movie. And again, she came from nowhere. I mean, she was only like maybe 27 or so when she did this movie. She she had a few other roles, uh, but you know, nothing big. And she broke through. She did this. She did a bunch of TV. Uh, the Stand. You know, yeah, was, she was in the stand just a few years later. She was in the stand. She was in Just Shoot Me, which was a popular series for mm-hmm. quite a few years. Uh, she's still out there. She's still, you know, like like we say all the time, she's still out doing uh, various shows. Does a lot of TV. Yeah, movie days I think are past. Yeah, but nothing wrong. Well, you know, she. I'm, you know, I'll make that case that we've said a lot of times. Hollywood isn't kind to women. No. And a whole lot of women that are getting good roles, like, you know, when she's 27, 28, uh, a lot of them don't get any roles by the time they hit 34. So, like, she's doing pretty good, and uh, she's, she's a good actress, I think. Yeah. Now, in this movie, again, I hadn't seen it for years, but I recommended we watch it. I didn't remember how annoying her character was, because she is annoying. She wore thin Really, I mean, again, uh, a little less she, of her and more Rickman would have improved the movie. I mean, she's short, buxom, and dark haired, which is my recipe for lust. All right. <laughs> but um, she got, yeah, yeah, I mean, she wore really thin right from the beginning. Now, again, I liked her kind of, but I agree with you guys. A lot more Rickman, a lot less her. Uh, plus, she was crazy as a loon. I mean, at a point in time, it's like, get away from me, please, you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, obviously, you know, she seemed to have recovered from her PTSD, you know, fighting the dingoes, I guess. I guess that's how you recover from PTSD. You, you walk right into another situation, and that just clears your mind, I guess. But, uh, uh, but uh, yeah. I, again, I'm ripping on the movie. I like the movie, uh, but I could 
there's a lot to rip on, you know, in all honesty. And, and I'm not going to get into the gun stuff. You guys probably get teared up for some of the stunts with the guns. I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm less proficient making those critiques than you two are. But I'm sure that there are some errors that you guys saw. I don't know. You know, I'll defer to you all on that. Well, I tell you what, the one the one thing with, I mean, obviously the Sharps rifle was, you know, uh, for that period of time, you know, you had a breech-loading rifle. Uh, the fact that they were showing, you know, that he could shoot from range. Um, oh, my gosh. That, oh, okay, that's that's pretty cool. That's incredible. But it's still a breech-loading rifle. And I didn't understand the scene. And, and this goes to the whole, you know, plot of the movie when Alan Rickman basically is telling him is that, you know, I'm not, I didn't, you know, bring you out here to shoot dingoes or kangaroos or anything. I want you to go out there and hunt aborigines. And, mm-hmm. you know, next thing you know, he's like, you know, punching Rickman out and he's throwing him out of his house. And he just like sits there with his rifle thinking that he's going to hold off Rickman and his entire, you know, little small army of like 30 guys. You've got a breech-loading rifle. I mean, the fact that you can shoot like a thousand yards—that's great. But you got one shot, yeah. and it's—I yeah. mean—and it just seemed like he just seemed like I'm just going to sit here, and they'll come to me. And like, and, and I—I I don't know. That just—that whole thing just didn't make sense to me. Totally it, agree. Made yeah. no sense to me. I'm like, uh, it, dude, you yeah. need to be running out that back door and yeah. humping it, or you need to grab a six gun, or you need to grab a shotgun, but you need right. to get the hell out of Dodge because yeah. you're screwed. Yeah, because if you think you're going to hold off 30 guys sitting there with a sharps, that ain't going to happen. And and that was the other part, too. I didn't understand, you know, you got the one Aborigine uh, butler, you know, mm-hmm. walks in behind him, pops him over the head. You know, knocks him out and, you know, sets up. And guess, guess where there were guys going to be coming in from? There were guys going to be coming in from the back, just like he did, you know? Yeah. It's yeah, like. It just, that, that was a bad. Well, I'll tell you, the seed just kills me. Okay. He's got this Sharps rifle that apparently is an experimental Sharps rifle. And clearly Rickman's character is into guns. He would love to have that gun. So what does he do? He beats him up, tells him to ride him two, two days out off the ranch. He gives the the dunderheads that work for him his gun and ammo. Like, why did you do that? Wouldn't you wanted that gun, dude? Yep. Why'd you send the gun with those idiots to start with? Because I know you he would he had to be lusting for that gun, and so because I'm I'm sitting there going like that can't be his rifle, can it? I'm like, holy shit, they came out they took they they brought his rifle for him just so he could kill him basically. Uh, That didn't make any sense. I mean, I, I thought, when, in fact, when he got beat up like that, I thought half the movie was going to be about him just trying to get his rifle back. Well, no. That's- well, my only thought was that Rickman thought of himself as a real pistol arrow, and the rifle was just like, eh. Maybe. Yeah, still, maybe. still don't know why you take the guy's gun out. It, yeah, well, unless, unless that henchman was just a highly valued henchman for previous services rendered. Just trying to pay him back. I couldn't believe it. I thought, are you kidding me? No. They sent the gun out with those. Well, bl- it's the standard. Heads. There's so much wrong. I mean, they, they easily could have just said, okay, well, we got him here. I could have you take him out in the desert and leave him to die, but let's just kill him here. 
but what the sure. hell? But you know, that's 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 movies. I mean, movies. It's Austin Powers. I mean, you know, that's that's a constant thing in movies. But yeah, you know, it's, it's the evil overlord making the evil overlord mistakes that are yes. just given. Yeah, and again, Alan Rickman is the evil over over cattle baron sort of. Technically, he had he had sheep, so it's like, you know, sort of a sheep, sheep guy. <laughs> not gonna well, not gonna make yeah. references to certain people in this podcast that have an affinity for sheep, but <laughs> I wouldn't Steve know who that is. <laughs> I have no idea. Well, I, I, you know, but talking about Rickman, okay. You heard that the Aborigines killed Rickman's family, so that's why he hated him. Now, Rickman's a great actor. You could really have explored that and, and built some sympathy up for the guy to understand why he was the way he was. But instead, yeah, they killed my parents and my mom before she even finished her knitting. I hate him. I kill him on sight. Okay, well, that's, you know, great. You know, I mean, to me, again, you could have built up that character to say, hey, because, you know, any good, bad character, there's a little bit of sympathy for him. You know what I mean? Right. And uh, they just kind of pissed it away. I hate to say it. I mean, I'll contrast this with a sort of not quite contemporary this movie, but uh, Brian Dennehy in Silverado. Yes. Yeah. Okay. He's the bad guy. He's the villain. But they, they build him up. He's, mm -hmm. you know, of course, Silverado is a character study. It's got all kinds of people doing all kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, it we we I mean we consider today and you know, you know like I said a minute ago I mean I didn't remember this movie being this way when I first saw it I mean I came away more with I thought Rickman played a, a, was bigger and that San Giacomo was smaller but then I understand I mean like you said Brian it's a competent western it's not it's not I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I, I'm not considering and say like I, you know, threw something at the TV or something. I enjoyed it, but I didn't love it, and it wasn't quite what I remembered it to be. Well, I think when people talk about this movie, they talk about the scenes with that sell does some of the stunts with the gun, you know, how, you know, and I think that's what everybody remembers is yeah. that. But but even then, there's some stupid stuff like okay, you, you apparently string up and and run rope to have a bunch of trees and stuff fall on these guys that you got to shoot and i'm like well why don't you just take a nice covered position and just say come at me boys why do you have to go through all that crap where you're right he's riding his horses down in the ravines i'm like well, what happens if your horse slips dude you're, you're screwed you know i mean just set up on that hill and say come on boys you know come on there's no way you're gonna get me out of here i'm dug in like a bug buddy Mm -hmm. well, I, I also want to make a comment. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on this. Was you know in the American Western, a standard trope. What we actually commented on when we did the Searchers was the cavalry. The cavalry shows up in the Searchers. It was sort of a force that occasionally it just shows up and does mm -hmm. stuff. And it's the same in this movie, except it's Queen Victoria's cavalry. It's a bunch of British dudes with. Little sun bonnets and <laughs> you know the the major in charge does his best you know British twit impression, but and 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 it's actually I think it I thought was an interesting twist was all the okay using air quotes here all the cowboys all the ranch hands they were all like Irish Scott. British convict 
<laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like they had no, they, they didn't like the British. I mean, they're not sitting there going, oh, the, it's not like these guys are here to help us out. It's like, no, these are like our, these guys just roused us and beat us up and oppress us and all. And again, this is set in Australia. It's a different, that's the thing. I mean, this came, I, I forget when did a Crocodile Dundee come out, but there was a whole big Australia boom, uh, popularity in all things Australian, and I think that's kind of what got this made. Yeah, and that is an angle. Uh, mm-hmm. Australia, in some ways, was like the Wild West in the eighteen hundreds, but in a lot of ways, it wasn't. I, I I thought they could have done a lot more interesting things. I, I, it was really cool seeing British troops come riding up like the cavalry. That was that was just cool. It was cool. Now, why a major is leading a contention to twenty guys? I don't I don't quite figure that one out. But it, what the hell, you know, it's part of the movie. You know, when he called him lieutenant, I'm thinking like, yeah, that, that would be a lieutenant or even a sergeant. But okay, fine. Uh, the major is leading them all, but. Uh, but I, they, they could have taken that and done more interesting things with it because just the visual on it is just, I mean, as a Western guy, the idea of seeing a troop of Brits ride up is like, whoa, that is neat, you know. And and again, they didn't really play with it too much, uh, as much as I thought they, they could have, uh, other than the fact that the Brits were jerks and, the, well, the, the leaders were jerks. Rickman was a jerk. Again, there's just no subtlety to it, you know. You know right from the beginning, like, okay, this guy's an asshole. That guy's yeah. an asshole. This guy's an asshole. Yeah. I, I think it's it's there's a cartoonish element to this. It's very yes. black and white. Yeah. Well, it just made me remember. I mean, I think the, the, one of the few movies I can think of that's kind of analogous to the what you said, like the British troops riding up, mm-hmm. was Zulu, which yeah. would have been taking place in about the same era where they got the, the British cavalry, I mean, the colonial British cavalry comes riding up to what, Rourke's Drift. And in that movie, you know, the cavalry comes up and all the guys go, we're saved. The cavalry's here. And the cavalry's going like, hell with this. We're getting out of here. We got horses. We can get away from these Zulus. You can't. <laughs> and again, at the end of the movie, you had the, you know, he's surrounded, he's screwed, and then they said they introduce, they bring in their own cavalry, if you will. The cavalry does arrive, and it's this mystical arrival where the wind picks up and all this, and there's surrounded by, you know, which, again, okay, if they could have done this, why didn't they just do it and get rid of Rickman for, to start with, you know? Why did we have to go through this thing where they're pushing kids off cliffs and all this kind of stuff? No, bring in your mystical wind and sweep all the bad guys aside, you know. But no, you, you reserve that so you can save Selleck. Make oh, no he's sense. a good-looking guy. Again, I'm hammering the movie. I like the damn movie, but I'm just – there were problems with it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a funny – this is a, a little bit funny review because, again, I'm, I'm, I'm like Brian. You know, I recommend we do this movie, but it's uh, – I don't like it. But I'm not, you know, with my modern, I'm not going to say trained, but just sort of experienced eyes, I consider and see how it could have been a whole lot better, a whole lot different quality of a movie, which is a little bit of emphasis on certain other things and things of that sort. I mean, the movie is almost 30 years old. All right. I get it. Uh, But it's still a modern movie. I mean, movies have been... I mean, you, you can look at a good 80s movie, and it's just as good as a movie they're making right now. I mean, you, and you, you almost – well, I mean, you can watch Aliens or Blade Runner. You wouldn't even know that those movies were made you know, when right. they were made. 
And, uh, you know, one of the problems with the Western, I think, is it's not translated well to the modern times. And, um, and it could have, and it can. And, and uh, that's actually kind of been my rub is a, a Western could be just as good as a police procedural. It, it can, it can be just as relevant. I mean, the police procedurals today on TV are the Westerns of the fifties and the sixties. Uh, it's just, you know, you don't have cowboys anymore. And again, it was not a modern movie. In fact, it, it this was a frickin', this would be like the kind of movies they cranked out in a week out in the desert, you know, in the thirties, you know, the, you know, thin plot, uh, hero wins. Here's what happens again. You know, th- this was not the searchers. This was not, uh, outlaw Josie Wales. This was not, you know, a lot of other Westerns that, that just did it so much better. Now, again, those are the top of the heap. I admit that, but. It could have been done a lot better, and and I guess I, I'm always disappointed when somebody says, "Hey, we're going to do a western," which is hard to do now. So if you're going to do a damn western, then do it right, you know. Well, I mean, and part of it is is that when you think about in terms of when this movie came out, um, you know, consider in a movie that we did on on the show, uh, Tombstone. Tombstone came out three years later. Fabulous and, movie. Yeah, and you look at. You know, the quality and, 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 and I think part of the problem with this movie that I had an issue with is that it seemed like they were trying to, 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 to quote Mark, it didn't know what it wanted to do. Was yes. it trying to be a comedy a little bit or was it trying to be a real Western? Um, there were there was a little bit too much tongue and cheek shit going on to me. Yeah, they'd really- be very serious. There's some very serious themes in yeah. this movie. Yeah. And then they throw a wacky bit in the middle. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's that is what really kind of was throwing me off a little bit. You know, it, it kind of started the, that off in the beginning. You know, when they were trying to get off the boat and um and you know, part of it too was it it was almost like Selleck was like his character was like looking to pick a fight. I well, he certainly he did it. Yeah, I, mean, he, yeah he, he, I agree. I mean, he would go out of his way to react. Yeah, it's like you know. I mean, it's one of those things. It's like I, I'm in a strange country. I don't know the rules here, but you know what? I'm I'm not getting involved. Yet mm-hmm. somehow he gets himself involved. And a lot of stuff that he doesn't need to be in. Like, like again, the whole, any, the, the biggest beef I had in this whole movie, again, I know how they had to, you know, start the whole thing, but okay. So when you find out you're there not to kill dingoes or whatever, but they want you to go out there and kill the Aborigines. So you beat the shit out of the guy that hired you. He's got a whole bunch of armed guys out there. Mm-hmm. What the hell did you think was going to happen? I don't give a shit if you got a sharps rifle. How much fucking ammo do you have? Not enough. Well, that, that's the other. Those were like experimental rounds. Yeah. So I'm sitting there going like, boy, that guy runs out of rounds. He's really screwed now. I mean. He um, doesn't have enough, a- even if he, I mean, it doesn't matter. Oh, no, I agree. He doesn't yeah. have enough ammo. So it's like. What were you thinking? And it, it just, I don't know. That's I, I don't think, you know, I, I wasn't that bothered by that scene because I figured 
he was just so infuriated by what Rickman told him, and he just acted. He didn't think about, okay, what am I going to do? He just did it, and then, okay, well, well I'm stuck. Well, the comment you guys made a minute ago about the movie not knowing what it is is, is, is really relevant because you've got crazy Cora who who's really actually a tragic, an incredibly tragic character. But you use her for comic relief and you use her badly for comic relief to the point where it's irritating, where you, you, you know, you, you really should have been able to build up some sympathy for this woman. And you did, but you really weren't as sympathetic. I mean, you, you generally just like, please go away. Uh, as opposed to say, I, you know what, this is, I want to see her get back. You know, I want to really understand what happened to her. And, but instead she's played for kind of for laughs for the most part. So again, it's the, what is the movie about? You know, I mean, it's about that. And then, you know, then it's about, well, okay. It's also a little bit of a reversal. Like she was tortured, you know, by, you know, what happened to her with the Indians, but here the Aborigines are good. And, and, you know, it, it, well, there's a lot of different things they're trying to say here. I just think they're trying to say too much. Um, I mean, is it a condemnation of if this was a policy that actually existed in Australia at the time? Is it a condemnation of that? Uh, the, uh, well, it actually, this, I'm not an expert, a total expert on Australian history, but I know that things like this happen in Australia. I'm not saying you know they didn't make it out of whole cloth. It was it was a, it was a it wasn't a policy. It wasn't an official policy, but stuff like this did happen. They made it sound like it was an official policy almost. Well, I don't think they were getting any trouble for it. I'll just say that. Yeah. But uh, you are right. I mean, and that's, you know, Laura San Giacomo's character is a tragic character. I mean, she's haunted by all these demons of horrible things that happened to her. But it is, like you said, I mean, by the time you figure out what's going on and why she's this way, you're so annoyed by her. You, it's like, okay, good. You, you got problems. I mean, I meet people all the time that have problems, but I don't tend to like hang around. Yeah. 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 You don't give them the, you don't really take the chance to get to know like all the bad shit that's happened to them because it's like, <laughs> please go away. Uh, but with her, you can't get away from her. But again, you get, you're right, kid. By the time you, you learn about it, it's like, well, that's that's a really sad thing, but I'm just so tired of you that I really don't care at this point. Yeah, no, I'll repeat what I said. This is a movie where they could have taken it, the, if they took the writing a little different way, focused, you know, took away the comic relief elements for her, added in more of Rickman chewing it up and being an evil guy and understanding a little bit of his motivations, it would have been, I think, a much better movie. But it is what it is. We can't review it for what it could have been. We got to review it for what it is. What yeah, I, I, I kind of wonder if you know Windsor had just come off Lonesome Dove, which I think you you both know what I think of Lonesome Dove, and if there's a mini series that's better than Lonesome Dove, it maybe it's Band of Brothers. But I put them both right up there. Uh, different, very different things. He he directed Lonesome Dove. He'd seen good writing. He'd seen good acting. He'd seen a good plot. But I, I kind of wonder, it's like, okay, Selleck's called us today. He's going to try to get back into the movies. Uh, Winsor, you, didn't you just do those? Uh, yeah, yeah, you, you just did those Lonesome Dove things. Yeah, uh, and you live in Australia too, right? Yeah, this movie's going to be in Australia. <laughs> Call pa- Paul Doris and see if he's got some shit laying around that he didn't put out you know, for Lonesome Dove. And, 
it is just kind of slapped this thing together, even though, again, the script supposedly goes back to the 70s. But it just felt slapped together because Selleck wanted to get his movie, and he got a movie. Um, and again, not not as bad as we're making it sound, but not as nearly as good as it could have been. And you know, and well, this, also- this script, from what I read on, uh, it might have been on TV Tropes, it might have been on uh, Wikipedia, it was in that development hell that we hear about a lot of scripts where it was being written for again we're going to write this for it's going to be eastwood movie so we they tweaked it for eastwood and oh no no we're going to have steve mcqueen and no 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 and so they were tweaking it and changing it and then you know they decided okay we are going to make this movie and they got a a new writer to basically rewrite the whole thing and they came up with this so what we're seeing is a, well, the end result of a whole bunch of rewrites. Uh, it might have been, may, maybe maybe a lot of these things we don't like were left over from prior versions, but they should have been, you know, it, again, it, when I look at this movie now with my modern eyes, it could have been a great movie. Mm-hmm. Instead, it's, it's an okay movie. Yeah, it's great. What an awesome setting. I mean, the context of this movie is fabulous. I mean, like yeah. I said, when the British troops come riding up instead of the U.S. cavalry, it's just like, wow, that is so cool, you know? And, and, and the scenery is beautiful. And the yeah, music I mean, is, can't say the music isn't spectacular. It just it, doesn't quite fit. It's great. It's a, it was a ripoff from two years before. Yeah. And, I think we yeah. talked about the actors. I think we talked about the movie. How about you, Steve? Got anything to add? No, I think we I think we covered it all. I, I had seen scenes from the movie, and I'd heard people talk about it over the years, and I thought, man, this is going to be one of these these movies that you you never watched, and you're like, wow, how did I miss this? Well, it's almost like Sicario, man. I love Sicario. You know, I'd not seen it. I, Thirteen hours. I love Thirteen Hours. Didn't see it. You know, when it came out, and so it's like it's like you're discovering something. Like, wow, that's cool. And I thought, man, I'm going to get a chance to discover this western. Yeah, it didn't really happen. You know. That's it. I recommended this because I remember, like, from my younger days, buzz that had gone on about this mm-hmm. movie. Because again, we're we're also we're, we're judging it by modern standards. By in, in its day, it, you know, among the guys I hung out with, it was seen as a pretty neat idea. So again, you know, the whole idea of the the cowboy goes to another country and does his thing in a different mm-hmm. culture. That's a, that's a good concept. There's a lot you could do with it. Yeah, it's like being, having cowboys at Island Wanda. You, you ch- joked about, you know, the, the, <laughs> yeah. the kind of a fun idea. Yeah. The, the, I do understand, though, that after the movie, uh, the Sharps rifle, at least in Australia, began people began referring to it as the Quigley, if I'm not mistaken. So this movie had some legs to it in terms, uh, at least in the, uh, the, the 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 those who you know followers of of guns of vintage guns and things like that it, it did influence that market if you will in terms of what people called it and so forth yes as a matter of fact according to wikipedia uh tom Selleck kept they made three of those rifles he kept all three of them mm-hmm. and he did donate one to the nra of which he's a on the board of directors mm-hmm. national rifle association for a fundraiser and also in montana Every year, they hold the annual Matthew Quigley Buffalo Rifle Match. Wow, that's it's cool. a it's a competition for shooters 
with targets out to 800 yards. Hmm. Hmm. So I thought that was interesting. This movie has a legacy. What'd you think of of uh, Selleck with the stash and so forth? Was that, that a good look for Selleck or not? I think it was okay. Well, it's basically, it's, well, he had that little that little uh, soul patch mm-hmm. beard thing going. Otherwise, he had the it was the the uh, magnum mustache with a little soul patch beard. Which, <laughs> eh. well, well, I I tell you what, I mean, he definitely has the Western look. I mean, yeah, he actually fits that role. I mean, you have to admit, Selleck like. Uh, Elliot, or like Elliot, Sam Elliot, would have been, should have been born 40 years earlier because he would have been a, a superstar in the, the time of the, of, the, of the Westerns. He absolutely would have been. Big, tall guy. Uh, again, Elliot, to me, would have been the guy because Elliot's got that voice. Right. Uh, but, um, but, you know, they both were born too soon. Uh, or born too late, if you will, because I, I do think Selleck's natural genre is probably the Western. And the Sackett stuff, Ken, was good. That was good stuff. They did two big miniseries. You know, Sam Johnson was in those, and and uh, Elliot's wife, oh, who's beautiful. What's her name? Uh, she was in Graduate. Uh, uh, but she was in the Sackett movies, uh, and they did two of those. Uh, yeah, well, and like I said, when they did the Sacketts, it wasn't like at that time they're going like, oh, yeah, that's Sam Elliott's a great cowboy actor and this Tom Selleck guy is okay. It's like, no, yeah. these, these guys are like equals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, career-wise, Elliot's career has obviously been on the big screen, uh, but he's not, you know, he's usually a supporting character, not usually a lead. It's There are exceptions to that. And then Selleck's, you know, carried some pretty prominent TV series, or a couple of them at least over the years. So, you know, he's certainly... You know, they they both of, have a lot of success, and they both correct. still have success to this day. Yeah. I mean, you know, Selleck's over 70. He's turned 70 this past year, I believe. Yeah. And he runs a avocado farm. Mm-hmm. He's a farmer, actually. He actually goes out and works the farm, and that's how he stays in shape. There you go. All right, guys. Um, you know what? It's about that time for the show. We are going to talk about... Um, Brother, what you drinking? So, um, uh, since Jeff's not here, Reverend, what do you got? How's a Pruno? You, you know, I, I, I almost feel like I've, I've, what's the word I'm looking for? I've surrendered, so to speak. <laughs> I have bought some beer. Oh, not my God. beer like I would buy, like old Milwaukee or Coors or something like that. So, yeah, I'm having some Coors. I'm drinking something called Independence Harbor Amber oh. Ale. Nice. Now, the fact is, is I can't really tell it's any different than Old Milwaukee. So that's the thing. Is is uh, I I am not I am drinking a beer that's apparently not like Old Milwaukee, but to my very sensitive palate, I can't really tell. Uh, it's got a bit of a sweet taste to it, though. Apparently, there's a honey in here somewhere. Uh, ale with uh, with honey, yeah, added. So I guess it's okay. Uh, <laughs> It's, you know, I mean, it's not bad. It's cheap. I bought it cheap. I bought it for like six bucks at uh, Aldi's, believe it or not. Wow. But Independence Harbor Amber Ale. Nice. And it's this is the color of it for you guys 
for you two who could see it. All right. What, what, what's the ABV on that bad boy? Oh, shoot. Um, yes, there is a test. We have to. Uh, 5.5. 5. Oh, okay. Not much. <laughs> almost like, almost as strong as my old Milwaukee light. All right. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I know I have probably showcased this one before, but, um, you know, I picked this one up. Uh, I braved the, uh, the ice storm that we had uh, here in central Indiana. And I picked up a New Holland Brewing Dragon's Milk. Uh, bourbon barrel stout and um, it's good it's um, rich roasty and creamy with a heavy note of vanilla and just enough familiar warmth of the dark barrel of bourbon Uh, the pairings actually they have actually a pairing list on here red meat smoked foods balsamic rich cheese and dark chocolate. So, if you're going to go with that. But, um, if you guys wonder why I'm a little slow on the words today, uh, this, this bad boy, <laughs> this, this sucker comes in. This sucker comes in about 11.1% ABV. Wow. Yeah. Give yourself a Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. <sighs> yep. New Holland's Dragon's Milk. I wish the camera was showing. I could I could point it up there. That'll put hair in your chest or take it off. I don't know which one. All right. Uh, let's see. And I forgot. Jeff's not here. So last and certainly not least. It's now time for Catching Up with Ken. My darling, All right, Ken, talk to us. Well, it's uh, been the holidays and tail end of that. And I believe since the last uh, podcast we did, I've had several outings, several things worth noting. Uh, had my back on the uh, 28th, uh, I had my Bar of the Month Club gathering down at the Old Point Tavern. Now, the Old Point is a it was the second oldest bar in Indianapolis, and yep. it's going out of business. That's a They're shame. They're closing up, and it's going to be replaced by a new trendy night spot, no doubt. But can't get around it. The old points, one of these just old. It was the old neighborhood bar where the, you know, when I first started going there like 20 years ago, the neighborhood was kind of seedy. The neighborhood's gotten much better and posh and upscale. But it's just kept this old ambiance. Just a nice old building, nice bar, nice place to hang out. Uh, several people commented to me that they'll miss the nachos. This place makes this gigantic <laughs> nacho, and uh, it was especially good when you're out, like at you know midnight, and you've been out drinking, and you just got to have those not greasy nachos to like get yourself home. So the old point. We said farewell. It's now closed. It closed up on the 4th, so yep. Old Point's no longer there. Uh, for New Year's Eve, I went up to Carmel, to the Palladium, for their big New Year's bash. Uh, had a gang of friends, or you know, another friend of mine organized the outing. A bunch of us met up. 
I had a like a pre-outing hangout at the hotel up there. I then went and listened to the band, ate the food, a lot of good food there. Uh, you know, cash bar, but free food. So I ate a lot. Didn't drink much, ate a lot. Good band, dancing, all that kind of stuff. It was fun. Nice New Year's. But then I got out of there by about like one o'clock. Uh, last weekend, uh, went to Palomino on Friday night and uh, had a dinner there with a bunch of friends. And then afterwards, we went out to the Eight Second Saloon, which I don't know if any of you guys have been there. It's it's a big bar, dance hall, uh, more often than not country, but not always country. And I was going there because my friend Ryan uh, had a new band that he formed recently. It's a uh, Doors tribute band. Hmm. So his Doors tribute band was opening for Henry Lee Summer at Eight Second Saloon. So a bunch of us went out, again, had dinner before, went out. Saw the show. They did a good job of the doors. I mean, I thought, you know, especially, I mean, it was their first run. I thought they did a very good job. Saw lots of friends I haven't seen for a while, so have seen lately. Uh, hung out there pretty late. Uh, there was some worry about Henry Lee Summer showing. I mean, he's, uh, the, Ryan's band just kept going and going and going. And I, you know, I, I think, like, Henry Lee was like, who knows what he was doing, but, uh, Nonetheless, he did show up eventually and sang his big hits. Like he has like five hits from the eighties, and he sang them. So, and then last week, last Saturday night, uh, my friend Amy and Ryan, same couple, uh, threw a dinner party, but it was a themed dinner party. It was a Moroccan dinner party, and. You know, she made a variety of Moroccan food and then various guests that were creative brought their own Moroccan food. My contra the only thing I did was went out on Amazon and ordered myself a fez. Because <laughs> the fez is a national hat of Morocco. And According to Amazon, they delivered that fez to me on one of those days when it was like zero, <laughs> and some scumbag went out, froze his ass, stole snuck up fez. on my porch, stole the fez. Oh, my God. And all I can think is, like, I wish I could be there when this guy opens up the box to find out he just stole a $5 fez, froze his ass. <laughs> All these friends were like, well, you should have reported that to, to, to Amazon. They would have refunded your money or something like that. Hell, hell with it. It's five bucks and like gives me pleasure to know that there's some dumbass that stole my fez. And... <laughs> so were there any other fezes at the party? I'm curious. <laughs> there was another fez at the party. Oh, okay. Uh, and actually, it was a very cool party. Uh, Amy hired a henna artist who did very exquisite henna designs on whoever wanted it. And so lots of the ladies, a few of the guys got it. One of the couples went to a, like a theatrical costume party and got authentic Moroccan outfits. And the guy had a fez and like a, you know, sort of a wow. Sultan's type outfit. A uh, lot of the ladies were wearing 
various forms of Arabic or similar type clothes. Uh, one of the girls like had been to Cairo and bought like essentially a Bedouin outfit when she was going on the camel rides. You know, not because she was like trying to be presumptuous, but it's like she was told like you know it's hot and sunny and like you got to protect yourself, so buy one of these outfits. So like we had all kinds of costumes there. It was quite the thing, and the food was good. There's there's like you know uh, one of my friends. She's a uh, professor, a professor out of Butler, Marion rather. Uh, oh, matter of fact, I know Butler. She's a teaches a Butler, but she made this thing, and I'll just call it a Moroccan chicken pot pie. It you mm-hmm. know it looks like a pie, and it is chicken, but it has a whole different blend of spices. You know, there's saffron and cinnamon, and it's just very good. Uh, you know. Couscous, you know, various, you know, baklava, I mean, all sorts of really good food. So that was that. And then that was what, Saturday night? Since then, that's it. I so you, really- you forgot the most important thing you did uh, over the holidays in terms of uh, going to see a film with some oh, oh, my, my, <laughs> oh, my God. How can I forget it? No, I, we, I met up at the Keystone Arts Theater with. Brian and his lovely wife Sheila, and we went and saw the longest or the uh, the darkest hour, the Churchill study uh, movie by Gary Oldman. Now, Steve, as we know, Gary Oldman doesn't think much of, or Steve doesn't think much of Gary Oldman. What? <laughs> what? I think he's squirming at apoplexy right now. <laughs> Gary Oldman's a god. <laughs> there it is. I know. That's why I said it. I just <sighs> want to get a rise out of you. But no, it is. Oldman is channeling Churchill. Uh, I thought it's very good. It, and the thing is about it, it's, it's not like a study of like Churchill's life or Churchill's entire war effort. It's just like the couple of weeks around mm-hmm. the time that he became prime minister when the British were losing. It's the darkest hour. Dunkirk mm-hmm. hasn't happened. They might lose the whole army. They might lose the war. You know, you get the definite impression. They're setting, you know, basically nobody else wanted to take the fall. So they like shoved Churchill into this position to let him take the fall. Uh, very good study. I thought it was well done. Uh, Takes a few liberties with history, from what I understand, but the story is good. I will recommend The Longest Day, or I keep saying Longest Day, The Darkest Hour. Longest Day happened a few years later. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after we got finished, it was a crappy snowstorm, but we went across to that fine establishment, TGI Fridays. Yes. And hung out there and had drinks and food and everything because I really didn't want to drive home and it was kind of a lousy night to drive. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I'm sorry. How could I have forgotten that? Well, I can tell you how. I didn't have it on my phone, on my calendar. So, uh, but no, I would recommend to any listener uh, if you have a chance to go see The Dark Stour, go see it. I would not be surprised if we reviewed it sometime. Yeah, I would add to that if if anybody uh, wants to see the darkest hour, it, that also you can find Churchill: The Wilderness Years on YouTube, which was uh, uh, oh gosh, Robert Hardy played Churchill. It's an eight hour, I believe, miniseries. I strongly recommend it. It's the ten years of Churchill prior to prior to this movie. 
Yeah. Well, uh, we talked about this when we were having dinner. If you want to get it all in context, you watch The Wilderness Years, then you go see this movie. Correct. And then you go watch Dunkirk. Yeah. That would be. It uh, all flows right together. So that's it. All right. Well, there you go. That's it with uh, Brother What You're Drinking and Catch On With Ken. So we are now moving on to one of our favorite parts of the show, and that is clips. Clips. And we got a few here, folks. All right, let's see. Number one. Oh, people should go last or get the hell out of the way. I'm so sorry, Mr. Quigley. We seem to be holding that man up. No, ma'am. I just spoke to him, and he ain't in that big a hurry after all. Sorry about that. That. <clears throat> that was one of the problems with this thing. The the music overpowered a lot of the dialogue. Yeah, By the I way, that, that listeners... Is, oh, go ahead, Brian. That music is literally... That's out of Lonesome Dove, guys. Yeah, it's, it, is. It's, it is. That is... I mean, you go watch Lonesome Dove, that same music plays, by the way. But, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, and, but it's, it's overly dramatic for the scene. That particular scene did not need some stirring, spectacular music in the background. Right. Okay. All right. Number two. I like this part. Well, you just do your job and stay out of trouble. In our experience, Americans are uncouth misfits who've been run out of their own barbaric country. Well, Lieutenant... Major. Major. We already run the misfits out of our country. We sent them back to England. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. By the way, uh, he spits a few times in this movie... But he's not chewing. I've noticed he spits, and I'm like, dude, you you need some tobacco if you're going to really spit, but just just saying. Yeah, and you and I can appreciate that part. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a Josie Wales type touch. (laughs) The hated English. You know, the the other thing uh, to me that's a little bit missing from the movie is, you know, that was a line that he had. That line could have been tweaked somehow. It could have been a more... Eastwood-esque line, I think. You know that line just seemed to lack something. It was funny, but it could have been somebody could have wrote a better line. You knew what he was going to say, you know, about running the English out. But you, yeah. you just there's got to be a better way to twist the knife a little bit, I, I would think. All right, next. You know, if we're lost, you can tell me. We're lost. I can take bad news. Just tell me straight. I don't know where the hell we are. No sense picking time to make it sound better than it is. I reckon we're going in circles. Flower things up, I'll see right through it. So just tell me honestly, are we lost? Nope. I know exactly where we are. That's good. Because frankly, I was getting a little worried. It's not bad. Again, the dialogue to me could have been sharper in this movie. Yeah. You know, when, I, when I look at the wiki quotes, it's like, meh, meh, meh. Yeah, it didn't have anything really. It goes back. They should have decided exactly what they wanted this to be. They wanted to be a dark character study with heavy themes. They wanted to be a comedy. They wanted to be a romance. They should have just decided, and it would have been the writing would have flowed. But instead, they're trying to be a little bit of everything to everybody. Exactly. All right, next. Now you take a good look. Even if you kill me, Master Lukacha, he's coming for you. I ain't gonna kill you. If 
Because you're going to go tell Marston I'm coming after him. And, and that's the thing. I mean, you saw some pretty, like, gritty scenes. And then some of the other stuff just didn't match up. Yeah, you see a gritty, you know, yeah, dark, serious, and then also they flip to some comedy. So, and By speaking way, of Marsden, did you notice, uh, Steve, that, you know, like, he had, you know, I, I think some of his uh, ranch hands were identified as uh, of being of Irish extraction, but oh. he had one particular ranch hand who I don't think was from Ireland. No, I think, I think he's from Scotland. Oh, the guy with the hat? Yeah, the guy, yeah, that guy stood out. Yeah, I saw him. I thought you wanted me to set you up for that. Well, I'm just saying. I mean, I mean, there's, I mean, well, there's, you know, it was a. Uh, well, if you're running around the British Empire in the 1800s, you're going to run into some Scots guys. That's. There's. I mean, there were, there were German settlers there. That's the the, the yeah. wife that got shot. Which again, I'm sitting there going, that was a. Not really sure why she had what that added to the thing that the fact that they shot the wife or the guy that helped him. I'm like, again, I'm like, they, they really need to do that. We already knew these guys were kind of scumbags, but okay, make it. They twist the knife to show they're a little meaner than we thought. All right, well, let's see. Damn, Bobbin, I'm not. Will you? Quickly's coming. He's killed too for sure. Patty and Oliver. Quickly said to tell you he's coming for you. He'll get us all. I know he will. Oh, shut up. <laughs> I'm telling you, we needed more Alan Rickman, less what's her name? Yeah, no. Laura San Giacomo. That's her again. I, I've got nothing against her. Oh, I can I can sit there and watch her for hours, but just not in this particular movie. No, no, I I agree, and you're right. Just yeah, just, I mean, it was like it was almost like they put Alan Rickman in this movie and they wasted him. Oh, okay. Well, you right. know why he did this movie, don't you? No, he he's never been to Australia. <laughs> Seriously, no. he's. I think he, that's why he picked it. He just said, "Well, I've never been to Australia, so you guys will pay for it." All yeah. right, okay. Last one. Some men are born in the wrong century. I think I was born on the wrong continent. <laughs> Oh, by the way, you're fired. <laughs> Rickman's good. And do you yeah. ever notice the one thing I have always noticed about Alan Rickman? When he says a word or something like that, it's like this weird smile. And it's almost like the smile that you get when you're like, did I just smell something stinky? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? It's like mm-hmm. his his mouth curls up. And it's like, I think I just smelled shit. That's it's a, it's a funny, he has a funny expression at times. Yes, that's it. I mean, and it, it was the same thing in Die Hard. It, he it does it all, yeah. And it's all, yeah, it's all time. It's like, it's like this. Sort of a sneer. It's Yeah, it's like a sneer, but it's like, anyway. It's, it's weird. One of the things I've always thought about. Rickman and I don't know why I, I've got I've always liked Vincent Price. Okay, I just always thought he was kind of cool. Yeah, and I've always thought if there if there was a guy who could play a Vincent Price role or even play Vincent Price, and, and you know, like you could say you're doing a campy movie where where the actors you're, you're acting like the old actors Vincent Price. 
to me, Rickman was always the guy I thought Rickman could do Vincent Price to me. Now he, he has it, but he could, he's kind of built like him and same facial structure. And I, I always thought Rickman would be fun in that kind of role. They just don't make those kind of movies anymore, but Rickman could have done it. I just agree. a passing thought. All right. Well, there you go. That is it with, uh, brother, what you're drinking, catch up with Ken and the clips. So we're now moving on to the top 10 of, 1990. Ken, I'm sure you can take it away. I can do it. And I'll, right. I'll just say right out that 1990 was actually a good year for Man Cave movies. Wow. It just was not that good of a top 10 for Man Cave movies. So let me go through a few of the movies that did not make the top 10. All right. And I'll see if you guys think that these are the kind of movies that we like. All right. Starting out, Tremors. We did that. We did. Good flick. Yep. Good, good flick. Yep. Uh, the Hunt for Red October. We did that one too, I think. Yes. I, you, How many pings? <laughs> two pings, Vasily. You know what? I got to get the Beecham Files up. Hold on. What? I think you guys did do it. We oh, did do that. Oh, we did Red do October. it, yeah. No, I'm, I'm pulling it up because I should do this all the time. I'm remiss. Yes. Go ahead, Ken. Another movie which I saw, and I thought it was good. Not as good as the original, but I enjoyed it. Uh, RoboCop 2. Yeah, I don't remember it, Ken. I, I just don't. don't. I don't remember 2. Okay, well, 2 was okay. okay. Not, not as good as the other, but... You know, the RoboCop series, I thought was good social commentary and kind of comedy and is a decent, I mean, it wasn't perfect, but I, it was entertaining, both of yeah, them. Yeah, I've always thought Verhoeven was, I mean, because all his movies, or at least a lot of his movies are social commentary, and I've always thought he was kind of, I mean, to be honest, I thought he was kind of ham-handed at it. But Well, I yeah, liked that's it. what makes it good. Another movie, which we did, uh, an iconic movie. Goodfellas. Oh, wow. Great, yeah. Great flick. That didn't break the top 10, though, right? No, not, didn't make the top 10. Another That's movie a- that didn't make the top 10, which we did, is Miller's Crossing. We did that one, too. Wow. Holy crap. I've yeah. never seen that movie. Oh, dude. That, oh, all right. No, go, yeah. go watch Miller's Crossing. Yeah, he, Brian doesn't like mob movies. Well, I might like it. Is it is this an American mob or is this a Irish, British mob? Or Irish, Irish mob. Irish mob. Okay, that might be more interesting. I'll, I might, I'll give it a look. It's, it's well worth catching. Uh, it was also the year I went to the theater and watched Memphis Bell. Mm. I like Memphis Bell. I know Mark uh, has some uh, problems with it, but uh, I liked it. I realize it was not an accurate rendition. I thought, Very, it was a, I, for, especially for the time it was done, and it was also early effective use of CGI. I thought it was very cool to watch back in the day. I thought Harry Connick did a, a shockingly good job in the movie. It had David Strayhorn in it, as I recall. I like David Strayhorn whenever he does anything. Yeah. Uh, a movie which I bet Steve has seen, The Night of the Living Dead. That's the newer version with what's-her-name from Bab 5 in it, isn't it? It no, is. No, definitely no, the newer version. No. 
No, she was in the old one. No, no, Steve. She'd have been a baby back then. The old one came out like in 68 or 9. She was in this one. Can't tell you. I didn't look up who was in it. Uh, Finally, a movie I saw at the theater, which I thought was okay. Not as good as the original, but okay. And it features Gary Busey chewing scenery like only Gary Busey can. Predator 2. It's, it's, you know, it can't match up to the first one, but it's, 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 I liked it just for the plot twist at the end. Okay. It was worth, it was worth it just because of that little plot twist. Okay. Again, I was entertained by it. Uh, that's actually the movie I had to take. Eric Badgett to go see when I lost my bet about the Germans getting into Desert Storm. So, <laughs> anyways, getting into the top ten. All right. Uh, this 1990. You know who was it? You know, around their peak in 1990, Steve. No. A guy near and dear to your heart, Arnold. And he was in Kindergarten Cop. Oh, here we go. God, is that old? I didn't know that movie was that old. It's not October. At number nine, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Wow. Missed it. Well, it was what it was. It was popular. At number eight, we had Presumed Innocent. Uh, this was a Harrison Ford, Brian Dennehy movie. Again, Harrison Ford was wrongly accused. So, uh, in its day, it was seen as a big deal. I don't think it's held up. I, I haven't seen or heard anybody really talking about it for years. Yeah. I mean, is it is he like a doctor? Is this like the fugitive almost in a sense or something? Uh, I think he did play a doctor. Okay. Uh, I vaguely remember this. Yeah, I mean, I can remember watching it. I, I think it was one of those things. Harrison Ford's done a lot of good, solid dramas. But I think, you know, this is just one that it was very popular. This was, Again, Harrison Ford was at his peak in 1990. Yep. Uh, doing a lot of good work, both sides, you know, like give or take five, six years of this, he was doing a lot of good work. Uh, at number seven, just to prove that you don't actually have to be good, you can actually suck and still make the top ten, we have Die Hard 2. It's the one where yeah, the, the terrorists air- take over the airport at yeah. Washington and because they take over the airport, all the planes are going to crash. They can't land in Baltimore or Richmond. They all have to crash. Yeah, Who was the bad guy in this one? Was it John uh, Amos in this one? John Amos was in this one, yeah. Uh, Franco Nero was the chief. Oh, yeah. yeah. Franco Nero yeah. was in uh, in the uh, Guns or Navarone 2 that we did. Yeah. No, he again. It it had Bruce Willis, Bonnie Bedelia, the, the smarmy reporter was there. Uh, 
but it just to me it just bugged me it just is a ludicrous ludicrous plot badly written again it was just a setup to do a bunch of stunts uh more out as welcome again die hard was great everything else since on that series been kind of lame at number six I'll probably have some listeners hate me because they, they think some other Die Hard movie is good, but I'll stand by my thing. I was entertained by the one with Sam Jackson just because the, 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 the thing between him and Willis was fun to watch. Yeah, I'll, I'll, okay, I'll grant you that. Well, my, my problem with the Die Hard movies is it's the the, the over-the-top I, I just cannot believe the guys Bruce Willis is going up against. They're just, they're too powerful. They're too well-organized. They, you know, they, again, I, that's that's me. I'll shut up. Well, uh, no, but, I mean, I, to a point, one of the problems I have with a lot of movies like this is you watch a movie, you watch a movie about, um, oh, um, American Sniper or something like that, you know, and what these guys do is almost superhuman, you know, in the, you know, you know, in American Sniper and movies like that over 13 hours. But it pales in comparison to, you know, a five-minute scene out of Die Hard. <laughs> yeah. you, you just, you know, it loses all perspective. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I, I can suspend my disbelief for a good, well-written story, well, well-written plot. But Die Hard 2 is not that. Uh, at number six, I enjoyed this movie. It was the end of a trilogy. It was probably the weakest of that trilogy. But I thought it did a good job of wrapping it up, and that's Back to the Future 3. Where Marty McFly goes back to the old West, and then comes back in time. It was definitely the weakest. Yeah. They are milking it. Back to the Future 2 was actually very good, I thought. 1 and 2 were great. 3, again, they're tying up the series but they didn't have to do it at number five like i said a good year for Arnold because he's back in total recall yeah, solid we, movie yeah we did that one too yep the number five movie wow. and total recall was entertaining solid so, movie it's awesome. like i said this was a good year for man cave movies there's a bunch mm-hmm. of movies we watched this year that were good yep at number four a movie which will not make the Man Cave movie list. I don't think. Dances with Wolves. <laughs> no. Tonsumit Wolfen. Nine. It's a big hit. Yeah. Okay, yeah. then at number three, another movie that will not make the list. Although I enjoyed it. Pretty Woman. I have never seen that movie. You know who co-starred in Pretty Woman? Well, Richard Gere was in it, right? Yeah. But Laura San Giacomo was in Pretty Woman. Oh, that's right. That's right. I remember reading about her. Yeah. Yeah, she was this... Pretty Woman came out before this movie. So she did Sex, Lies, and Videotape. She did Pretty Woman. So she was being set up as a leading... You know, A-list woman. Uh, she did this movie, and she still has roles, but she never really did. What she they was in she was the, 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 the the. They had the Stan miniseries on in '94, '95, which yep. was a long miniseries. Stephen King. It was actually pretty good. 
and she was a lead in that one. She was a, probably the central female character in that, or at least yeah. the second one, if not the lead. Yeah, that was a yeah, great. And like I said, she's done a lot of good work and very attractive. Again, I can I can sit there and just watch her, you know, read the phone book for a while if need be. Me too. Not me. Just saying. <laughs> Hey, we all have our own little. Uh, yeah, I I like the. You know, I'm a fan of the Alleghenies, and Steve's a fan of Wyoming. That's just the, way, the only way to put it. You Can know? <laughs> continue. See, along this line, are we ever going to do Dazed and Confused? I, I I don't know. I've never seen the movie, but I guess we could. Well, you know why? Why well, no, Mila? Why or why not? The reason is, it's 18-year-old Mila. That's why. Yeah. Ah. Ah. I hear the music's great. It is. It's, I've got the soundtrack. I mean, I, I, it's, I've got it on my iPod. It's It's got a great 70s soundtrack. Uh, we ought to do it sometime. It's a, it's a fun little movie. All right. We'll get uh, on the... We'll get and on. I can make the argument. It's really... It's a it's a story of this... It's one of those high school coming-of-age movies, sort of like American Graffiti or something like that. But I think it's geared more towards guys and girls. I think we can do it. Um, I'm just telling you guys, if you ever see Grandma's Boy show up, you got to watch Grandma's Boy. And then tell me if that's in a man cave movie, because I think it is. Okay. But none of you have ever seen it. Then we well, need to do a back-to-back. We have to do that with meatballs. What? Grandma's Boy? Grandma's Boys and uh, uh, Days and Confused. We have to do meatballs. Yeah. Yeah. You've been wanting to do meatballs forever. I have. One of these days, we will. All right. Speaking of movies that we're not going to do again, (laughs) although, again, at number two, very popular, had a very popular star, uh, Home Alone. I'm sure I saw it. Unused comedy hit with Macaulay Culkin, that cute little kid. You know, what's amazing to me is all these movies are damn near 30 years old now. Yeah, you're, you're, you're an old fart. I know. We're getting old, man. Well, think about Coster's Coster's been a leading man in Hollywood for over 30 years now. Think about that. Yeah. Well, he's been like late 80s is when he broke through. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one, a romantic drama involving... A famous scene and with lots of clay ghosts. All right, moving on. That's it. <laughs> Again, we will not be doing ghosts. That is like the chickiest chick flick of 1990. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, that, that was movie. 1990. As I started out, it's a good year for man cave movies. Agreed. Yeah, it was. Absolutely. All right. Well, there you go. That is it with the the top 10 of 1990. So we are now moving on to the uh, checklist of this great and fantastic film. So number one. Ah! Did anyone go through a window? I know Selleck tried to get out a window at one point when they were shooting at him, but oh, he didn't God. go out of it. Really? I don't know if anybody actually went out. No, no, heck yeah. Are, uh, are Rickman sick? went out the window right, right the first time they met after Thank they had you. dinner. Thank you. There you go. 
Twice. Yeah. There's like a red flag over there. All right, let's see. Uh, Well, that's a given. Number two. If you want him, come and claim him. Well, let's see. Could the female role be better played by Tony Katane? Oh, wow. Yeah, because a lot of the reasons I like her is the same reason I like Tony Katane. Well, after she had her work done. But, but, uh, you know, I mean, she did it. I mean, look. You know, Mark has always said it's because it's in the script. You know, it's an excuse for just generally either a shitty scene or some shitty thing in general. And, you know, she read her lines. She read her lines well. She played the crazy gal. I, I don't know if I want to hate on her because the character was poorly written. That makes any sense. No, ditto. I think Tawny Katane could have pulled it off. I think Laura San Giacomo is a much better actress than Tawny Katane by a long shot. But half of what she was doing was just flouncing around in those petticoats and looking hot. Yep. So when Tawny Katane could have looked hot in petticoats, I know that. I'm sorry. I yep. think Tawny Katane could have looked a lot hotter than her, but that's just me. Yeah, but I don't think she could. You know, I think I... She, you know, the script gave her lines and situations. I thought Laura San Giacomo is, like I say, I think she is a good actress. Okay. And I thought she did a good job with her role. I just think that they misused her character. They couldn't quite decide what they wanted her character to be. All right. So, so she was just irritating. Yes. Instead, she was just irritating. All right. Next. Son of a bitch must pay. <laughs> Was there a son of a bitch in this movie, and did he pay? Oh, yeah. Yep. He paid. Everybody paid. Again, I saw that ending scene. Yep. I saw that ending scene from the point they were having dinner that night. I thought, well, here's how this ends. (laughs) Yeah. It is. Didn't say I like to use it. Didn't say I know how to use it. (laughs) All right. Uh, Next. Was there a Wilhelm scream in this movie? I didn't hear it. I don't think so. Hmm. Okay. Did you hear it? No. It. Should have been one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm trying to think what it was. I was watching some pretty serious movie the other day, and there's Wilhelm screaming. I can't remember what it is. I heard something the other day. It was like a TV ad or something. It had a Wilhelm scream in it. <laughs> All right. Next. <laughs> Was there a montage in this movie? I don't think so, but there could have been when he was setting all those traps up on that hill that apparently we didn't see him set. I don't know if I would actually call this a montage, but the whole when they were hanging out with the Aborigines, like recuperating and everything. Yeah. I don't, like I said, it was montage Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know. I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. they're showing little little incidents to give the impression of a passage of a fair amount of time. There you go. All right, let's see. Last and certainly not least. And so it begins. Was there a B five reference in this movie? I will confess, I did not look. I didn't look. It would. It, it could have. I mean, the era would have fit, 
but I think in part, a lot of those actors, other than the stars, were probably Aussies uh, done there. So my guess is it's probably a no. Well, you know, if Muncie was here, just saying. the one guy I think that- he's, you know, as much as you were putting him down at the start of the show, what if he slid into a ditch? He could be like lying in a ditch covered in snow. We don't know what's happened to him. So back off. I'm sure. Would he fine. would he burrow a hobbit hole then? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna hate myself if something actually happens. To the guy. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to re-edit this show. All right. <laughs> well, there you go. That, that's with the holy. Shit. <laughs> We're gonna go to hell. All yeah, right. I know. All right, folks, that's it with, uh, uh, with the, uh, the Man Cave Movie Checklist of this great and fantastic film. So now it is time for the review of this show. Ken, you re- recommended it. This one's all you, buddy. Okay, well, I'll, I think we gave it a good long discussion. Okay. Uh, may- maybe more than it really deserved, but uh, this was a movie that was well, you know, I'm going to say it had good vibe, good good buzz back when it first came out. I remember when it came out. It did not do that well in the box office. Uh, it was built to, you know, use Tom Selleck. I mean, Tom Selleck had done Magnum P.I. He was coming off Magnum P.I. Also, there was this whole craze for all things Australian. It was a little angle, the whole idea of a cowboy, a Western set in Australia, introducing Americans to that country, you know, showing how it was similar but not similar. Uh, decent idea. I thought it was the characters were okay. We've already beat up and overdone the fact we could have done with a little less Laura San Giacomo and a little more Alan Rickman as it stood. I believe that, you know, it would have been better served if they, if they just would have decided, are they going to be a, is this going to be a serious drama? Is it going to be a comedy? Is it going to be a romance? Figure it out and then focus. Um, spectacular cinematography, I thought. Lots of really pretty scenery, long distance views. You know, they're out in the outback. The music, although spectacular, like we said, doesn't really sync to what's going on at times. I do think Brian's right. I think they just sort of like, you know, Basil Polydorus like went to his studio and found a bunch of stuff laying on the floor that he created for Lonesome Dove and said, "Hey, here's some music. Take it." So, and they just sort of plugged it in. Uh, having said all that, I'll still say it's an entertaining movie. It's a little different, a little twist. Um, and I, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to give it a, a straight six. I'm not going to give it anything great. Not anything higher, not anything really lower. Just six does it. So that's what I think. All right, Brian. Um, thoughts? Brian, uh, I'm sorry, guys. I didn't realize I was talking, but um, I, I, I'm, I, I ditto Ken, basically. Uh, I thought all night long this is a six, even before you said it. Um, it uh, there's not a thing you said about the movie that I would really add to. I mean, I think you pretty well nailed it. We certainly covered it. Uh, I mean, I think the movie got made because, you know, like I said, Selleck was Magnum was over. Uh, 
he was wanting to make another stab at you know big screen stardom because uh, I think he'd done that Three Men and a Baby back in the early '80s, and that was a hit. But Selleck had never really quite taken off on the big screen. Now he had the time to do it, and uh, and, I, and I think maybe that's why it was so sloppy. Frankly, I think it was just I, I think in part it was slopped together because, like I said, you had the guy, the director coming off Lonesome Dub, uh, Paul Doris coming off Lonesome Dub. And they're like, okay, you know, Australia, we're going to do this. It's a Western. Uh, Tom Settle's going to be in it. Let's get this thing going. And uh, and they did. And, uh, again, the music was good music, but just inappropriate uh, and a ripoff of uh, of Lonesome Dove. Uh, again, liked it, though. I'll give it a you know, like him. I'll give it a six. All right, nice. Um, I agree. I, I'm, I'm going to go with the six. Uh, same thing with Bryant. The music was just pretty much a ripoff of Lonesome Dove. It's one of those movies where it just didn't really know what it wanted to do. But um, I'm going to give it a six. Solid six. So there you go. Um, all right. Well, there you go, folks. That is it with the Man Cave Movie Review, episode 221. We in 221, guys? That's what it is. Right? Yeah, I think that's yeah. it. 221. Uh, we will be back for another great and fantastic movie review. So until next time, I'm your host, Steve Michaels, signing off with my very good dear friend, Ken. The dingoes almost ate my baby. Roni. I'm just going to say... Good night. I, I didn't think of a witty comeback on this one. <laughs> All right. And also saying farewell, adieu and aviators, and is our good and dear friend, the Reverend Deuteronomy Skaggs. Well, Roy, all I got to say is this ain't Dodge City and you ain't Bill Hickok. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Damn right. And on behalf of our other good and dear friend, uh, who's probably either at a lacrosse game or in a ditch. <laughs> Our good dear friend Jeff, um, he will he will be. I'm sure he will be back for some other good show. But uh, until then, folks, we will see you next time. Until then, ciao.